Chapter 7 of Dread, A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Dread, Chapter 7 Consultation oh harry i'm so glad to see you back in such trouble as i've been to-day don't you think this very morning as i was sitting in aunt nesbitt's room tom tit brought up these two letters the one of them is from clayton and the other from mr carson and now see here what clayton says i shall have business that will take me in your vicinity next week and it is quite possible unless i hear from you to the contrary that you may see me at canama next friday or saturday well then see here there's another letter from mr carson that hateful carson now you see he hasn't got my letter says he is coming what impudence i'm tired to death of that creature and he'll be here just as certain disagreeable people always do keep their promises he'll certainly be here well miss nina you recollect you said you thought it would be good fun oh harry don't bring that up i beg of you the fact is harry i've altered my mind about that you know i've put a stop to all those foolish things at once and i'm done with them you know i wrote to carson and emmons both that my sentiments had changed and all that sort of thing that the girls always say i'm going to dismiss all of them at once and have no more fooling what all mr clayton and all uh, well i don't know exactly no do you know, Harry, I think his letters are rather improving. At least they are different letters from any I've got before. And though I don't think I shall break my heart after him, yet I like to get them. But the other two I'm sick to death of, and as for having that creature boring round here, I won't. At any rate, I don't want him and Clayton here together. I wouldn't have them together for the world, and I wrote a letter to keep Carson off this morning, and I've been in trouble all day everybody has plagued me aunt nesbitt only gave me one of her mopey lectures about flirting and wouldn't help me in the least and then old hundred i wanted him to get out the carriage and horses for me to go over and put this letter in the office and i never saw such a creature in my life i can't make him do anything i should like to know what the use is of having servants if you can't get anything done oh as to old hundred i understand him and he understands me said harry i never find any trouble with him but he is a provoking old creature he stands very much on the dignity of his office but if you want your letter carried to-night i can contrive a safer way than that if you'll trust it to me ah well do take it yes said harry i'll send a messenger across on horseback and i have means to make him faithful well harry said nina catching at his sleeve as he was going out come back again won't you i want to talk to you during harry's absence our heroine drew a letter from her bosom and read it over how well he writes she said to herself so different from the rest of them i wish he'd keep away from here that's what i do it's a pretty thing to get his letters but i don't think i want to see him oh dear i wish i had somebody to talk to about it aunt nesbitt is so cross i can't no i won't care about him harry is a kind soul ah harry have you sent the letter said she eagerly as he entered i have miss nina but i can't flatter you too much 
I'm afraid it's too late for the mail, though there's never any saying when the mail goes out within two or three hours. Well, I hope it will stay for me once. If that stupid creature comes, why, I don't know what I shall do. He's so presuming, and he'll squeak about with those horrid shoes of his, and then, I suppose, it'll all come out one way or another, and I don't know what Clayton will think. But I thought you didn't care what he thought. Well, you know, he's been writing to me all about his family. There's his father, a very distinguished man of a very old family, and he's been writing to me about his sister, the most dreadfully sensible sister he has got, good, lovely, accomplished, and pious. Oh, dear me, I don't know what in the world he ever thought of me for. And do you think there's a postscript from his sister, written elegantly as can be? As to family, Miss Nina, said Harry, I think the Gordons can hold up their heads with anybody, and then I rather think you'll like Miss Clayton. Ah, but then, Harry, this talking about fathers and sisters, it's bringing the thing awfully near. It looks so much, you know, as if I really were caught. Do you know, Harry, I think I'm just like my pony. You know, she likes to have you come and offer her corn and stroke her neck, and she likes to make you believe she's going to let you catch her. But when it comes to putting a bridle on her, she's off in a minute. Now, that's the way with me. It's rather exciting, you know, these bow and love letters and talking sentiment, going to the opera and taking rides on horseback and all that. But when men get to talking about their fathers and their sisters and to act as if they were sure of me, I'm just like Sylphine. I want to be off. You know, Harry, I think it's a very serious thing, this being married. It's dreadful. I don't want to be a woman grown. I wish I could always be a girl and live just as I have lived and have plenty more girls come and see me and have fun. I haven't been a bit happy lately, not a bit, and I never was unhappy before in my life. Well, why don't you write, Mr. Clayton, and break it all off if you feel so about it? Well, why don't I? I don't know. I've had a great mind to do it, but I'm afraid I should feel worse than I do now. He's coming just like a great dark shadow over my life, and everything is beginning to feel so real to me. I don't want to take up life in earnest. I read a story once about Undine, and do you know, Harry, I think I feel just as Undine did when she felt her soul coming in her. And is Clayton night held abound? said Harry, smiling. I don't know. What if he should be? Now, Harry, you see the fact is that sensible men get their heads turned by such kind of girls as I am, and they pet us and humor us, but then I'm afraid they're thinking all the while that their turn to rule is coming by and by. They marry us because they think they're going to make us over, and what I'm afraid of is I never can be made over. Don't think I was cut out right in the first place, and there never will be much more of me than there is now. And he'll be comparing me with his pattern sister, and I shan't be any more amiable for that. Now, his sister is what folks called highly educated, you know, Harry. She understands all about literature and everything. As for me, I've just cultivation enough to appreciate a fine horse. That's the extent. And yet, I'm proud. I wouldn't wish to stand second, in his opinion, even to his sister. So, there it is. That's the way with us girls. We're always wanting what we know we ought not to have, 
and are not willing to take the trouble to get. <laughs> Miss Nina, if you'll let me speak my mind out frankly, now I want to offer one piece of advice. Just be perfectly true and open with Mr. Clayton, and if he and Mr. Carson should come together, just tell him frankly how the matter stands. You are a Gordon, and they say truth always runs in the Gordon blood. And now, Miss Nina, you are no longer a schoolgirl, but a young lady at the head of an estate. He stopped and hesitated. Well, Harry, you needn't stop. I understand you. Got a few grains of sense left, I hope, and haven't got so many friends that I can afford to get angry with you for nothing. I suppose, said Harry thoughtfully, that your aunt will be well enough to be down to the table. Have you told her how matters stand? Who, Aunt Lou? Catch me telling her anything. No, Harry, I've got to stand all alone. I haven't any mother, and I haven't any sister, and Aunt Lou is worse than nobody, because it's provoking to have somebody round that you feel might take an interest, and ought to, and don't care a red cent for you. Well, I declare, if I'm not much, if I'm not such a model as Miss Clayton there, how could anyone expect it, when I have just come up by myself, first at the plantation here, and then at that French boarding school? I tell you what, Harry, boarding schools are not what they're cried up to be. It's good fun, no doubt, but we never learnt anything there. That is to say, we never learnt it internally, but had it just rubbed onto us outside. A girl can't help, of course, learning something, and I've learned just what I happened to like and couldn't help, and a deal of that isn't of the most edifying nature besides. Well, we shall see what will come. End of chapter 7. Consultation.